Welcome everyone to the Optimal Performance Podcast. My name is Sean McCormick. I'm a life coach, performance coach, wellness entrepreneur, and it's my pleasure to bring to you every single week the world's leaders in the field of performance so that you can live your life at its most optimal level. Plus, cutting edge ideas so that you can stay ahead of the curve in an ever-changing world. Let's dig right in. Oh, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Sean McCormick, and on today's episode, we are joined by Brad Kearns. He is a New York Times bestselling author. He's a Guinness World Record-setting professional speed golfer. He's a high jumper. He is a fitness expert. He's written 20 books on diet and health and peak performance on ancestral living. He's a retreat host, a speaker. He is the face of the Primal Blueprint online multimedia educational courses. And the guy is just an absolute encyclopedia when it comes to nutrition and wellness and performance. And uh, we really had an awesome conversation. Brad has recently teamed up with Mark Sisson to write. It's called Two Meals a Day, the simple, sustainable strategy to lose fat, reverse aging, and break free from diet frustration forever. You guys probably know Mark Sisson from the Primal Blueprint, Mark's Daily Apple. You know, these are the guys, these are the go-to guys when it comes to health, fitness, looking good, feeling good, longevity. I mean, uh, super inspirational people in my world. And if you are a fan of biohacking, you're going to love this episode because there's so many great tips. Uh, In this episode, we cover so many cool things. We talk about uh, this product called MOFO, male optimization formula that I've been taking. It has uh, testicles, prostate, heart, liver, and bone marrow in uh, from grass-fed cows. I've been taking it recently and I freaking love it. Like total boost in um, all manly things. Um, lots of lots of energy, uh, boost in libido, boost in, in focus and, and energy. Just uh, totally, totally, absolutely love this product. And for uh, for people, I've actually suggested to a couple of my coaching clients that they pick it up. You know, if you're kind of you know, hitting a wall energetically. This is an amazing stuff. We talk about the concept of two meals a day, uh, which he also was calling the one and a half diet. Uh, we talk about the research around snacking and how bad snacking is from uh, for a transition from um, carb dependency, where you just need to kind of snack all the time to to to. St- stay energized, uh, over shifting over to fat adapt adaptation where your body actually uses the fat on your body, burns fat to, uh, for energy. Uh, we talk about, uh, ditching the big three, the toxic modern foods, refined grains, refined sugars, and industrial seed oils. We talk about a couple of biohacks. We talk about the social pressure around living a healthy lifestyle and how it's hard when you are living uh, with people or uh, your family is not supportive of you becoming healthy and uh, what you should do about it. Uh, a couple of quotes. If you consume the exact agents of the animal organ, it'll nourish the corresponding function in the body. This goes back thousands of years. Quote, we want people to get their fat adapted adapted baseline where stored body fat is used for energy. End quote. Like I said, super amazing episode. It moves really quickly. He's a super energetic guy, and I really enjoyed, uh, really, really enjoyed our conversation. I'm actually going to be recording an episode for his podcast, uh, the B Rad Podcast. It's B dot Rad Podcast. Uh, he's got amazing, amazing guests, uh, and 
man, uh, what can I say? Obviously, I'm really excited to bring this episode to you. Before we jump into the episode, I want to say thank you to Bell Campo Meats. You may have heard the episode recently with Anya Fernal, the founder of Bell Campo. And in this episode, we talk about the importance not only for the planet to raise sustainable animals on sustainable farms that are carbon negative, but also the, when you are caring for animals, when you are uh, hyper-sustainable and you raise organic, grass-fed, grass-finished, uh, certified humane meats, then your food tastes better and it is more healthy. So you can go to Belcampo and you can check out a wide array of the products that they have. They've got broths, jerkies, chicken, bacon. Uh, one of my favorites is just the ribeye steak. I love a solid um, you know, marbled ribeye. I like to cook it medium rare. And that's one of my favorite things for Belcampo. Um, you know, building health and immunity is more important than ever. And it starts from what you put on your plate and how it's raised super matters. So if you can buy your, you know, your fruits and veggies from the farmer's market and you can get your meat from Belcampo, uh, that's a really smart way to do it. Uh, conventionally raised animals are confined to feedlots and they eat a diet of inflammatory grains, but Belcampo's animals graze on open pastures and seasonal grasses resulting in meat that's higher in nutrients, higher in nutrients and healthy fats. Uh, healthy fats uh, lower in total, total fat with more good fats and less bad fats. So now you're thinking, okay, well, what's the discount? What's the discount? Here's this awesome discount, 20% off. If you go to belcampo.com and use the code OPTIMALPERFORMANCE, you can save 20%. I'm super thankful for Belcampo and their sponsorship of this podcast and uh, go support them and have some of the best meat, frankly, on the planet. This episode is also brought to you by Blue Blocks. Blue Blocks is my favorite go-to biohacking equipment on the planet. This and X3 are my two favorite. We need to protect our eyeballs from the constant and long-term exposure to blue light. We all look at screens on our phones, on our laptops, and we are being inundated with blue and green light all day and then into the evening time and it's screwing with our sleep. You know, one thing that we don't think about is if you are not letting your body produce melatonin because it's being blasted with blue light from screens, then that means you're not getting into deep sleep until later at night. So even if you go to bed at 10 or 11 o'clock at night, you think you're getting your seven or eight hours of sleep, it's not high quality sleep. And the melatonin was not released, so you wake up feeling tired every single day. You feel like, man, I even, even with seven hours, I just don't feel rested. And that's because you're more than likely, uh, your, your eyeballs are being told that it's daytime when it's not. You know, that mitigated also with uh, looking at some Wi-Fi uh, in your house uh, have been game changers for my sleep. So I wear my blue blocks. In fact, I'm wearing them right now as I uh, edit this podcast. I wear the uh, the amber-colored Smith frames, and they're killer. They look great. They feel great, and uh, they really do protect my sleep. So go to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com, and use the code OPP for 15% off. All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Brad Kearns. And we're here with Brad Kearns, who's the co-author of Two Meals a Day with Mark Sisson. He's a Guinness record holder. He's a super athlete. He is like center of the bullseye for biohacking and lifestyle design. Brad, welcome to the Optimal Performance Podcast. 
Oh, I'm so honored to be on with all the great legends and your other guests. We were talking about John Gray offline, one of my favorite guests I've ever had, and life-changing advice. So you're doing a great thing, and I look forward to uh, engaging with you and the listeners and talking about some fun topics. Awesome. Me too. Me too. Uh, I like, I'm especially excited to ask my first question, which I ask to most of my guests, which is... What time is it where you are in the world, and what have you put into your body? <laughs> well, it's 2 o'clock Pacific time, and uh, I just had a fabulous uh, skirt steak and five eggs. And uh, believe before that, I should say I was fasted until 2 p.m., but I got a new shipment of dark chocolate from Askinosi. So there's a there's an unpaid product plug right there, man, because they are making some good dark chocolate. I'm really a connoisseur, and I, I search the globe and the Internet for the finest bean-to-bar artisan dark chocolates. And uh, quite a few squares are gone before I had my, my proper uh, breakfast meal here. So that is my answer for today. How about supplements or drinks or tinctures or anything like that? Yeah, I am so into the ancestral supplements, as you know, and together we created this product called MoFo Male Optimization Formula with Organs. And, you know, Sean, I've been an athlete for so long and, and dating back to my career on the pro circuit when I was a triathlete. And, you know, we'd get bombarded with shipments of this and that and powders and potions and lotions and creams and, and pills. And, you know, I've taken so many things throughout my life. I kind of get lazy about it sometime and I open up the cupboard and it's like overwhelming to see all these different things. So as I've gotten older, I've tried to first optimize my diet and then second, kind of streamline the supplement consumption and even take breaks. Chris Kelly at Nourish Balance Thrive makes a good point. Like if you're really into all this supplement stuff, once in a while, take three weeks off and let your body kind of uh, recalibrate without uh, creating a possible dependency on it, even psychological sometimes. You know, when I run out of mofo, I'm, I'm stressing, I got to get more and it's back ordered. Uh, but I'm, I'm really into the animal organ supplements because they're such rich sources of nutrition and also because they're in that uh, whole and contained original form. And a lot of the supplements we take are extractions that are created in a laboratory, putting things together. Not that they're not effective, but there's a huge difference in, I think, bioavailability and the under underneath the surface, the uh, the molecular biodirectors that happen when you consume, uh, for example, an organ. It's believed to nourish the corresponding organ in your body. So. Uh, this is this is a topic of great interest to me recently. So uh, I take mass quantities of the organ supplements and try to consume organs, but I don't have a cupboard full of stuff anymore. Yeah, take uh, eat brains for brains, eat testicles for your testicles, that that sort of thing, right? Because those are both ingredients that are in that product, right? Yes, and well, the, the brain's not in there. It's it's uh, the the mofo formulation is for male uh, hormone optimization, and it consists of uh, testicles, prostate, heart, liver, and bone marrow. And the idea is that if you, you know, consume the exact agents in the animal organ, it's going to nourish the corresponding function in the, in the body. Uh, if you run that by a traditional physician, they might snicker and say, yeah, whatever. Uh, but again, this, this 
goes back thousands of years to ancient Chinese medicine, traditional modern uh, functional medicine where you'll get uh, adrenal capsules or uh, a thyroid to kind of kickstart your own adrenal or thyroid function. And I actually uh, pinned down one of my favorite resources, Dr. Kate Shanahan, who's an MD and deals with actual uh, patients as well as writes best-selling books. And she said, you know, whatever you want to think about the like supports like concept of ancient medicine, uh, when you are consuming, for example, uh, a kidney or heart in the uh, supplement form or consuming heart from the butcher, uh, if you're a real hardcore biohacker, ancestral eater, uh, you're getting, for example, high levels of coenzyme Q10 in the heart. And that's exactly what nourishes your own heart. So you're getting the exact, uh, you know, nutrient profile that is known to be uh, used well and assimilated well by the organ in question. So even if you're a non-believer in the mystical part, uh, you're getting a great supplement that targets that area of function in the body, liver being right the most nutrient-dense food on the planet, arguably. So the liver pills are the most uh, popular example, example, desiccated liver in the organ family. But with these new, uh, the new MOFO supplements been very well received. And I'm interested in maintaining my uh, sexual uh, and, and uh, endocrine health, uh, you know, keeping that prostate going. 80% of men over 80 in America uh, get prostate cancer. And so it's not the most deadly cancer. It's one of the least deadly ones. But when you think about 80% of us, when we hit 80, are going to get prostate cancer, uh, that's an area of focus for me. And there's my there's my little spiel on on that short question. You get a long answer. Yeah, well, that's how it works because you're the guy. You're <laughs> there's we're gonna go lots of different directions here. I I love I love Mofo. Uh, I've I've been using it for about three weeks now, and I as soon like about two days in after starting to take it, I noticed uh, more focus, um, increased sex drive, libido, my dreams. My dreams just, I don't know if you've heard this yet, but my dreams yeah. just are, are totally changed. And I'm embarrassed to say it, but like every single night I'm having like sexy dreams with, <laughs> and, and it's, and it, that's not something that's, that's really normal for me. You know, I've, I've had, um, uh, my hormones tested. It's been a, a couple of years now and I had fairly low, not, not optimal at all. Fairly low, uh, uh, total and free testosterone. And I can tell the difference. I have this. Um, uh, I, I notice it right away. Uh, can you walk us through just some of the testimonials and some of the some of the comments that you get from from just this one specific product? Yeah, that's so funny because the the dream thing comes up over and over. Um, I can't say I'm one of them. I never remember my dreams. And so I, I'm so fascinated when people relate uh, their more intense dreams and their more vivid dreams. So I, I am going to say that I sleep like a rock every single night. I have no problem. And uh, I'm going to go back to, I think it's uh, like early 2019 or late 2018 when I met Brian Johnson, founder of Ancestral Supplements, and I started pounding you know, everything he had to offer, and I really was into it. And I experienced this overall improvement in uh, mainly on the recovery side. So as an athlete, I'm really, really careful uh, to not say uh, crazy uh, 
you know, unsubstantiated statements like I'm 10% faster. Uh, I'm lifting more weight now that I'm taking this supplement because I'm so, uh, you know, I've heard so much bullshit over the years that, um, look, you know, if someone puts a gun to my head, I'm going to be 10% faster, I promise you, and I'm going to lift more weight. But short of that, there's not a lot of things that are going to have, you know, an explosive improvement in, in athletic performance besides your, your mood and living a healthy, balanced life. Now, the recovery side, big concern for me, especially in my age group now. I'm in the, I'm in the 55 to 59. I can't believe it. But the one big thing that comes up is you have less margin of error. You have, you're kind of on that red line all the time where you're risking breakdown, burnout, illness, and injury. I just got finished with a six month uh, knee injury that was really annoying and inhibiting my beloved high jumping and sprinting workouts. And it was probably because of uh, overdoing it and not paying enough attention to my stretching, mobility, flexibility, which I already spend a lot of time on, but I just wasn't over that edge of ec extra time with the massage ball and a few extra stretches that my physical therapist taught me. Wow, you do have some muscle inflexibility here, even though you're a rubber band guy and you can touch your, your, uh, you know, your palms to the ground. I thought I was in an ace in all areas, but you know, you got to get expert help and you got to keep, uh, that, that broad perspective of nailing everything possible. Otherwise you're going to be succumbing to something that a 27 year old being like, uh, or my son, my favorite example, he, he pulled up on a, on a relay in high school, you know, with the, with the Charlie horse and, you know, he had a pulled hammy, he was out and it was so tragic because I'm like, God, we're just getting started in the season. He's having a great season. And then like two nights later, uh, he's going to go down to basketball practice and test it out and see if it's OK. And he's running the floor and he looks fine. I'm like, hey, how's your hamstring? Is it, is it OK? And he's like, uh, he couldn't remember which one. He couldn't remember which hamstring he pulled. <laughs> it's like oh my God. Uh, it was absolutely fine. And, you know, in my case, I pulled a hamstring. This was like six years ago. And again, I was out for like one year from a single incident of the hamstring locking up while I'm doing a full on sprint. So, again, another long answer to trying to dial and optimize everything, especially as we get older and we have to pay more attention to it. Yeah, yeah, it, it it doesn't get easier as you age, and I'm in the 35 to 40 uh, bracket, and you know, obviously, running this podcast, being an athlete, um, um, you know, father, business owner, goer, doer, you know, we just moved my family and have a bunch of land and a bunch of things to do. Like, I I don't I can't. Uh, I can't afford to be out for half a day, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be. I want. I want to have. I want to have as much energy as I possibly can, from sunup to sundown. I want to. I just. I just want to be able to hit it. And and so it's it's guys like you who have set such a high bar. There's a little uh, high jump uh, pun. Uh, set a high bar for um, really um, finding tools, finding solutions uh, to be able to live your your optimal life. Um, we're gonna we're gonna dive into so many cool territories. I am curious. Do you like the term biohacking? Is that is that something that resonates with you? Well, when you use it in this beautiful context and you look through your uh, show content, it certainly is appropriate. Um, and you can kind of misuse any term. And I will say that's one of the terms that's kind of misappropriated or glamorized. And so sometimes I. Uh, I, I shake my head and I, I don't like the use of that term. Uh, same with, you know, um, hack in general uh, implies a shortcut. And so when people put like sleep 
and hack together in a sentence, I'm like, wait a second, why do I want to hack my sleep? I, I, I do feel a little uh, guilty and self-conscious that right now I'm sleeping like nine to nine and a half hours over winter time. It, it gets shortens up a little bit in the summer, but I'm actually seeking like approval and reassurance from other people that I that I value and that are peak performers. And I was just podcasting with my man Sisson, my co-author, and he's like, yeah, I'm sleeping around nine hours right now. And I'm like, oh, really? That's fantastic. That's incredible. Tell me more. What time do you go to sleep? What time do you wake up? Uh, but I don't, I'm not interested in hearing someone talking about biohacking sleep or taking shortcuts in places that um, you don't really, you know, they're not appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a great answer. And, and for me, the, you know, biohacking is, is looking at natural solutions first, oftentimes free solutions first, you know, how, nice. how, how breath, um, movement, yeah. um, thought patterns, not, not, um, injections of, you know, <laughs> subdermal, you know, uh, t- uh, silicon based tech into the, into the body, but injections of exosomes or stem cells or peptides, I think does fall into that category. Um, you mentioned, you mentioned your co-author, co-author Mark Sisson, and I've been a fan of his, I've been reading his blog since, um, for, for over 20 years now and, um, really sort of modeled my nutrition and my diet around the way that he has been, um, modifying it over over the years you know the big ass salad you know that's that's i i can jive with that like um the the title of the book two meals a day is interesting to me because uh, for those of us in the you know keto paleo you know optimal performance world we're familiar with the term omad which is one meal a day and uh and so now i'm curious about what was what when did the idea first come up that 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 you wanted to explore two meals a day what can you tell us about how how two is different than one well i'll tell you the truth sean cuz uh when when we first got the inspiration to write this book i became really excited with this concept of calling it the 1.5 diet because it was catchy, it was cool, and it cuts in half the cultural centerpiece of this ridiculous notion of three meals a day, which, if we think about it, dates back to, uh, I suppose, industrial revolution times where all of a sudden, uh, you know, we're going to work in factories until you certainly need some nutrition before you leave the home in the morning. You got to take a break from a, a, a hard manual labor job uh, at, at midday, and then you come home and you're hungry and tired and uh, all that. And now, now we, you know, are heading off to um, sit in front of a computer screen or, you know, do a much more comfortable and easy life, uh, but still shoving all this food down our face. And so I think it was determined that it would be more appropriate for uh, many readers to call it two meals a day instead of 1.5. And a lot of people I know uh, only eat two meals a day, right? Especially people that have been in the ancestral health scene for a while. Uh, but if we had more space on the book cover, uh, we really should be calling it two meals a day and no snacking. And uh, the research is surprising about how destructive snacking can be to your ability to transition from carbohydrate dependency into you know, fully fat adapted. Because anytime you consume any food, you immediately put the burning of stored body fat on hold. 
in order to process the calories that you just consumed. Even if it's a fat bomb or an approved keto bar or snack or something that's uh, you know arguably less offensive than uh, a sugar bomb or an, a power bar, a Jamba Juice. Uh, but nevertheless, when we graze all day long, which we've been told for decades is a powerhouse way to go, especially if you're an athlete, make sure you have your six meals a day, uh, get your energy bars in between meals, and all that stuff uh, is really important to examine now as one of the huge contributors to the destructive health of uh, humanity in general in, in the developed world. So if we can kind of zero in on this target of having two delicious nutrient-dense meals, and that would be kind of a baseline, but in many cases, that could be your maximum and that's what we kind of, uh, you know, bid you adieu at the end of the book and say, look, this is not going to be an average. It's going to be a maximum of two meals a day. And then from there, uh, you know, we can explore the benefits of extended fasting, which so many people are familiar with and all that other great stuff. So it's, it's kind of two meals a day, no snacking as a max, and then maybe sometimes uh, difference. But I don't know if you're going on a, uh, a, a cruise or something, maybe you'll have three big ass meals on a particular day. Uh, but if that happens, of course, you have a great opportunity the following day to go on an extended fast and kind of recalibrate what we want people to get to is this, this fat adapted baseline where stored body fat is the primary source of energy for a healthy, energetic, active day. And the carbohydrate dependency is in the rear view mirror. That's an excellent synopsis. So that's a that's a that's a good encapsulation of it. Um, you know, the the I would love to hear the the idea. I mean, we know what I think the listeners obviously know what fat adapted means. Um, um, but I would love to hear a little bit about how you get there, right? If you've been doing three meals a day and snacks in between, you know, because your mom told you that you got to keep your blood sugar up and you know keep your energy cruising. Um, what, what, in, in your experience, how do we transition for those that are not there yet? How do you transition from three meals and two snacks or three meals and eight snacks to, to, uh, to fat adaption? Yeah, your your comment takes me back to my time when I was coaching, uh, little kids in soccer. Now my, my kids are adults, but I remember like at halftime, the moms rush to the the, the 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 circle and they're sticking grapes and little Cheez-Its in the face of these kids. And I'm like, get that stuff out of here. We're down three to nothing. These kids don't need to eat nothing until they start playing defense, you know. Uh, but we have been socialized from day one to, uh, you know, think that we need outside sources of food. And oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm still recovering, honestly, Sean, from my my time as a triathlete where the training volume was so high that we literally did have a, an obligation to stuff more calories down our throats every day so that we could wake up the next morning and go out there and throw down for five or six hours. And so I had these habits of jamming down a bowl of cereal at 9.30 at night or going to the frozen yogurt shop and piling on you know, extra toppings and just consuming so much food and getting away with it, of course, because uh, you're burning it off. But uh, the metabolic patterns and the, uh, the, the, the side effects are, are not good there. So um, it's a really important the way you frame that question of how to get there because uh, we've all been exposed to this hype, especially surrounding the popularity of the keto diet recently, but in general, the popularity of dieting and, and slimming down for the summer. And so a lot of times we go into a dietary transformation with a flawed approach. 
And usually that flawed approach is cutting calories, which is uh, ridiculously uh, a mistake and has been proven now to not work to uh, help you drop excess body fat or, you know, drastically cutting carbs that we have been accustomed to as our main source of energy. And so when you do that, when you do what we could call a crash diet, what happens is your body responds with a prolonged stress response. And so you'll get that glucose by darn uh, through internal mechanisms called gluconeogenesis, which is when uh, the, the fight or flight, the stress response kicks in and you convert lean muscle mass into glucose to feed that ravenous brain, which burns 20% of all the calories we burn every day. And if we're not eating our usual carb intake, we, we cut out our oatmeal and orange juice breakfast and trying to fast till 12 noon, we might even feel okay for a while because we'll be wired on stress hormones rather than the desired effect, which is to kick over into being able to burn body fat, make ketones for brain function when we, when we need to, and have this graceful uh, experience of what we call metabolic flexibility, which is the ability to, prefer, to burn a variety of fuel sources depending on your needs at a certain time. So if you proceed with a, a flawed approach and even a slightly flawed approach, it's going to be a big struggle, and it's going to have this fallout of what we see when the uh, contestants on the TV show, when the, when the camera lights go off and they go home, the attrition rate is uh, phenomenal, including going back beyond uh, the fat baseline that the person started with. And that's just because of the exhaustion response and kicking in massive appetite if you've been starving yourself for a while. So we have to do it correctly. And in the book, we identify the starting point is to ditch the big three. And these are the most toxic modern foods of refined grains, sugars, and industrial seed oils. So the first step is to clean up the diet, get rid of those processed foods. And we're not even talking about dropping excess body fat or cutting calories or counting macros or anything until your diet is cleaned up. And if you refuse to do so... Hey, people, you can turn the podcast off right now. You can you can walk away, flip the laptop lid down yeah. uh, or, you know, close the book at page 37. <laughs> Maybe we'll, we'll even give you a refund if we feel sorry for you. But look, we, we have to start the conversation in the right place rather than jumping to. Uh, and I, I see a lot of gurus are guilty of this where they're showing off their six pack on the Internet saying, look, you know, follow me to the promised land. And, and it's great. And all you got to do is uh, work out for an hour a day and and cut all your carbs out and that's not sustainable so uh, a sensible approach that's doable for everybody that's when we start to get into a nice rhythm and a nice conversation where people can actually uh, benefit from uh, the message rather than you know feel disappointed yeah i think that that's so well said oh man it's um it the 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 goal is to be able to be level you know the goal is to be able to keep your blood sugar balanced and to keep uh um keep steady eddie instead of these giant peaks and these terrible valleys you know we had um i, I did two episodes with the people from levels health uh the continuous gluco glucose monitors and experimented with that myself and was surprised with some of the foods that my body um spiked with um and uh and amused with some of the things that i thought were going to make it spike which which didn't but i think to your point is that we ha there has to be a plan and the way that you've laid out, let's get away from these three. You would you say them the 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 three? Yeah, the what? big three. The big, the big three. three toxic modern foods. If you did, if we did that, if anybody decided like, okay, I'm going to clean up my diet and I'm going to just like 
no, no excuses. These, I'm just going to get rid of these three things out of my diet. You, you will be a healthier person very quickly. I mean, is that, is that an overstatement, Brad? No. And in fact, you've just, uh, exposed the, the, the dirtiest secret in the, in the diet scene, because if you take any departure from the disastrous standard American heavily processed foods, grain-based diet, you're going to have a health awakening. So the vegan plant-based community and the people that are shouting from the treetops that this is the way to protect the earth and, and get your body healthier, um, I don't want to get into you know, too much back and forth. Who knows what next week's guest might be, might be touting just that. Uh, but it is a high-risk diet because you're excluding all these super nutritious foods. But if you go from standard American diet, uh, Dr. Lauren Cordain, author of The Paleo Diet, one of the forefathers of the paleo diet movement, he uh, cites research that... 71% of the calories in the standard American diet come from completely modern processed foods that did not exist in Paleolithic times. So we're talking about flour and sugar and the seed oils and all this nasty stuff that doesn't give a lot of uh, nutrition to the human. And so that's kind of, uh, if that's our average, any departure is going to be wonderful. And so the benefits of these amazing diets, and I'll pick on carnivore too, because I'm extremely fascinated by this movement. I'm drifting in the carnivore-ish pattern in my own personal dietary habits. I think uh, it's an amazing uh, revelation that uh, eliminating plant toxins can help heal some of these nagging health conditions that people suffer from. But the major benefits of the carnivore diet are what's being excluded for the people that are suffering, right? And then also they're getting a chance to consume more nutritious foods. But some people are touting that they eat burgers and steak every day and they feel great. And it's legit because they got rid of stuff that doesn't work for their body. Same with the plant-based person who got rid of the uh, the, the Oreos and the 7-Eleven Slurpees or whatever. Uh, so beyond that, then we can have, you know, more nuanced conversation about uh, what are, you know, what are some of the, the best meals and dietary patterns. Uh, but after being in this game for so long, it's really clear to me that uh, whatever some, some Joe on a podcast says, it's really going to have to be driven by personal preference because what we most are looking for is adherence and also enjoyment of the experience mm. versus, you know, pin, you know, dialing in someone. I mean, if we're talking to Olympic athletes and this is the Sean McCormick Olympic athlete only podcast, then we can, you know, sort of uh, split hairs further. But for most people, they have to enjoy their meals. Yeah. Uh, they, they can't feel deprived and struggling and suffering all the time. And so that's where we can kind of drift into, hey, let's explore what's really going to work for you uh, within these, you know, small asks of ditching that nasty processed food. One quick announcement for one of our sponsors and then right back into the episode. This episode is brought to you by Element. Element is a delicious, sugar-free, keto-friendly, electrolyte drink mix. We need salt and we need electrolytes. As an intermittent faster myself, I felt that mid-morning slump associated with the low-carb lifestyle and you know, just sort of like 11 o'clock, you just sort of start to feel a little bit like off your game, especially if you've been active in the morning or if you exercise in the morning and that's where Element saves the day. Uh, I add Element to my reverse osmosis water, and I immediately feel like my thirst is quenched. You know, you get that feeling where you're clear of mind, you have a little bit more boost in your body, and you feel focused and alert. Element offers a bunch of really great tasting flavors like citrus salt, lemon habanero. They also have a chocolate salt. You can go to drinklmnt.com. 
forward slash OP and get a sample pack, a sample pack of seven different flavors for only five bucks. All you've got to do is pay for shipping. I think that you'll find if you are a very active person and you want to try something that you've never never really tried before and you like the idea of a, a flavorful drink that will give you a boost of energy, you've got to take them up on this offer. Go to drinklmnt.com forward slash OP and all you got to do is pay for shipping and you'll get seven a seven pack. Uh, Who else uses Drinks Element? Marine units, NFL teams, NBA folks. You know, Rob Wolf comes up in this uh, podcast a couple of times, and he is one of the formulators of Element. The nice folks at Element are uh, on top of the science. They're sharing it with you, and you can go and learn a whole bunch more about the importance of uh, sodium and electrolytes as far as consuming it for energy if you go to Drink element.com that's drink lmnt.com forward slash op and you can get the sample pack packs of seven for five bucks all right back to the episode yeah well case in point i mean you you uh i think that of all of the questions and i've asked that question what what time is it where you are and what have you put in your body hundreds of times and i think that this is maybe the first time that someone has so openly uh, admitted <laughs> that they ate that they ate super high quality dark chocolate so yeah <laughs> and this is coming yeah. from from brad Kirk. To, are you going to show us I'm, I'm trying to flash my bar for yeah, the for the youtube bar. listeners but uh the point the point the point's taken yeah 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 the yeah i i mean the i mean what do you know about the the sort of stress response from you know um being uh, sadly eating a salad that you hate, you know, um, I, do, can you speak to that? You know, the, the sort of notion that if you're totally miserable eating foods that are, that to you are just totally unpalatable and gross, that there's, <laughs> that there's a detriment to that. I mean, if you're eating, if you're eating something that you really, really hate, uh, even though it's high quality or nutrient dense, like, uh, any, any connection there, any knowledge or wisdom on that thing? Well, what you just said is uh, incredible self-wisdom. Uh, one of my favorite authors, Dan Millman, author of The Way, Way of the Peaceful Warrior, uh, he talks about this inner wisdom that transcends anything you can learn at the meditation retreat. And in fact, uh, when uh, someone throws you uh, a set of car keys and you reach into the air to grab the car keys, you just meditated because all you were focused on at that moment was reaching out and grabbing the keys. And if you were thinking about what you're going to have for lunch— uh, uh, you you might have dropped the keys. So uh, the the wisdom that you express needs no elaboration, and it's a very good point that of course it's going to be you know we're we're dragging our our heels through life. Uh, but from the psychological side, uh, we have a colleague at at Primal Blueprint, Lindsay Taylor, who's you know now she's a prominent uh, researcher and writer, and she helps with the newsletters and is into the healthy living scene. She's co-authored cookbooks with Mark Sisson, but she's a social psychologist by training, and she talks about how when we engage in things like deprivation, um, the, the human resists that. And so we're going to be compelled and drawn to things that we're obsessed about eliminating from our diet, for example. And so all this stuff's going to unwind at some future point. And, you know, just unsustainable is something that we've all experienced where, you know, we started out with a lot of willpower and discipline. Uh, so ideally, if you're locked into a good eating strategy, it doesn't require any willpower or discipline. 
And uh, we're talking about dark chocolate, but when I was a, a young guy, um, I, I hammered all the candy bars uh, known to mankind. We lived really close to this, this pharmacy that sold a bunch of candy, so we'd go and exercise and then walk over there and get five different kinds of bars to try out. Uh, but I successfully dehabituated from milk chocolate to dark chocolate when I found out this is, you know, something that's okay to eat when you're in the primal paleo scene and it can be like an indulgence and, um, you know, I'd never had dark chocolate in my life because I, it, it, you take one bite of dark chocolate, it tastes too bitter for most people. And so it's just an interesting experience to know that we can habituate to healthy foods and have them be absolutely the most delicious thing, uh, with, you know, with regard to uh, anything else in competition. So, you know, I had cheesecake on my birthday. That was a month ago or so. And I might not have another cheesecake until my next birthday if someone indeed buys it and serves me cheesecake. And I love that cheesecake. It was tremendous. It was absolutely top quality New York original style, not too sweet. I enjoyed every bite. But if I were to eat that three times a day, um, it wouldn't have the same kind of uh, special experience. And so, uh, sure, indulgences are part of life. But I think we have to distinguish between habitual consumption of shitty foods versus enjoying the heck out of your life and allowing yourself the, the privilege and the flexibility uh, to make whatever choice you want every day. That's when you drift in the direction of feeling healthy and energetic. Like you described, you want to hit it every single day. So the cheesecake three times a day is not going to jibe with that. You're going you're to get disgusted after 17 or 18 days or maybe less. Yeah, I mean even even – three days three times a week or three times a month i think is just um you know it's a little much um and now if this stuff that's a good before we transition yeah. like when this stuff leaks into your diet and you start using terminology like hey everything in moderation right okay well uh we have a lot of people that are guilty of taking too many liberties uh, flashing too many hall passes, especially in the athletic community where I describe myself as a triathlete. And of course I can go down to the yogurt store. I'm not, you know, worried about my excess body fat spare tire right now. And I'm going to slam it for, uh, you know, and uh, yet another hall pass. And so we have to kind of change this mindset to realize that the state of the average, uh, American is so pathetic and the the health disturbances and the, the record rates of type 2 diabetes, we now have two-thirds of the American adult population is classified as either overweight or obese. And that's the fattest and sickest population in the history of humanity. So uh, when you're talking about your testosterone numbers, it's like I, I wrote an article where I was really proud to uh, say that I recovered from overtraining and I delivered a testosterone value that was 95th percentile for my age group. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, isn't that great? And I'm patting myself on the back and then I'm going, wait a second, the average 55-year-old is so pathetic that if I'm not in the 95th to the 99th percentile, I'm going to be pissed and I'm going to say that, you know, I have low T when I'm at 85% instead of 95 to 99 because we're competing against a bunch of spare tires. So if we can kind of uh, reframe that mentality to strive to be exceptional uh, and not, you know, tread that common path down to the doctor's office and the prescriptions, the average American adult, I think, has 17 prescriptions. Average. Average. Okay, so if I have zero or one or you have zero or one or two, um, that means some people out there have 23 or <laughs> whatever. Yeah, so um, Mark Twain. No, it wasn't Mark Twain. It was someone else. Oh, shoot. I forgot. It was um, the quote is everything in moderation 
including moderation. So when we're talking about diet, I want everybody to be out there extremely stringent and focused on making the best choices. Ah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, man, some of those statistics are staggering, staggering. Oh, man, I just, I my brain always, I was going to go totally different direction, but I want to stay here for a minute because <laughs> my brain always, I always, I'm always the guy that says, well, why is that? Why, why, why is that? Why can't people make changes? And this is very close to home for me. I mean, in my family, we are, we're heavy folks and I've had to, um, <laughs> I've actually had to deprogram myself um, to, to rethink the excuse that was made for me when I was a kid, when I was an overweight, chubby kid, was that it was just genetic, Sean. You're just genetically, you're just a, we're just heavy people. And I, and it, and it made sense to me then, and I've had to un, sort of defrag that mentality that, that I'm stuck in, in an overweight body for the rest of my life. Um, but I go back to the question is why... Why don't there's tons of information out there? Maybe this is part of it. Maybe there's too much information and people just don't know what to do. So they go back to Weight Watchers, they follow the Weight Watchers plan, they, you know, they go on a statin and they, you know, slog on a treadmill for 30 minutes, three times a week and wonder why the weight isn't coming off. And, and I, and I would, I'd love your opinion about why people, don't make that shift is it because they don't have enough energy to is it because they're inundated by uh by ads like what why don't why don't people make better healthier choices overall yeah great question and i guess there's a lot of a lot of things you could reflect on here one of them that comes to mind for me uh, inspired by a podcast guest, John Asaraf, who's a best-selling author. A lot of people heard of him as a brain training expert. And he said something that really stuck with me, which is when you're trying to make a life-changing goal, um, you got to set that bar so ridiculously low that you'll snicker when someone suggests, hey, can you uh, devote five minutes to uh, doing a morning stretching routine every morning to, to get your body right? And the person would be like, five? <laughs> of course. Yeah, I, I, I work out all the time. I go for an hour to the gym. Uh, but you know, to do something that's uh, really within your grasp, that's not a stress, that's not going to be discouraging, um, that's when you start to build momentum and actually create the true definition of a habit is something that you do without thinking about it or having to apply willpower or creative energy. And I think we we get hit with so much information, like you said, and a lot of it's kind of this all or nothing, uh, you know, you can have uh, the, the lifestyle of your dreams if you just, uh, you know, repeat this mantra three times a day that I'm 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 made of green money and it flows out of my veins. Uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's too much and it's overwhelming and, and then people will write it off and verbalize self-limiting beliefs. So, uh, as you're reading along in this book called two meals a day about the foods and the diet and the timing of your fasting, all of a sudden we slap you in the face in the middle with a chapter about mindset because a flawed mindset is the thing that's mostly in the way of people sustaining uh, lifestyle transformation of any kind. We talk about it in exercise, fitness realm, and also diet. So I think um, just to kind of get a summary here, flawed approach is a big one. And then if you have a reasonable approach and you're not doing something stupid, uh, the, the second part of it's mindset and you know getting over these hurdles that bring us back down to our level of comfort, our comfort zone, instead of going for it and being fearless and you know doing something that's going to lead to breakthroughs. 
Yeah. Well said. That that uh, that resonates with me. I think yeah. I think mindset. I think the approach, flawed approach. Uh, and mindset. and so if you if you have a flawed approach, and we go back to the last seventeen things you failed at that you set a goal to do. Guess what we're going to uncover. It was too freaking daunting, man. No, you're you're not going to be um, a professional basketball player because you're five nine and you're on the bench in a uh, small suburban school and you guys aren't very good anyway. And so uh, you can be anything you want to be, even president of the United States. We tell the kids, but uh, not if you're flunking out of fifth grade, right? So if we can bring it back to reality and say, hey, here's something that you can do. Here's a challenge that you can bite off and really feel good about, and it is uh, sitting quietly. You know, the, the meditation experts, um, is it um, Sam Harris talks about, hey, can you can you do five minutes or, or, or two minutes where you just, you know, count your breaths? OK, well, then that's a success rather than thinking, oh, yeah, that neighbor of mine, I see him in his outside ashram uh, doing 30 minutes of cross-legged seated meditation. And I can't even fold my knees that far, so I'll never be able to be any good at that. Yeah. So bite-sized goals and then build from there. When you're looking at, and I'm looking, thinking about the, you know, some of the content from the book, which um, I, you know, I, I skimmed through, and I, and I, and some of it really struck me is is a customized eating, uh, customized eating plan that you got to do what's right for you, and and maybe that's access to uh, access to high quality uh, groceries, right? Maybe that's um, um, your lifestyle or your work schedule or something like that. But, but how important is it that the individual finds uh, an, an eating plan that's, that's right for them? What, what sort of factors are considered there? Oh, I think your daily schedule is probably the big one. And so a lot of people talk about this concept of fasting until when, which stands for when hunger ensues naturally. And so if you can make it till 12 noon and that's your first meal, then you're on this really popular 16 and 8 pattern where it's 16 hours of fasting, 8 hours of eating window where you consume your two meals inside that. And all that stuff's great. And we have sections in the book talking about the 16 and 8 and the fasting until when. But really... Um, if you have other concerns and uh, you have another idea that might work better for you, uh, then you know you can certainly feel free to implement that. A lot of people might want to get a great hearty breakfast in the morning, especially if they have an active uh, job or daily experience, unlike most people. And so you might be eating a big breakfast in the morning and then going about your busy, uh, hectic day and then sitting down for a meal in the evening because the meals have to be consumed in a low-stress environment. Otherwise, we're not – I mean, we call parasympathetic nervous system rest and digest – and we call the sympathetic nervous system fight or flight. So if you're in a sympathetic state and you sit down, excuse me, uh, stand up and grab an energy bar while you're walking somewhere uh, to, the, to the parking garage, uh, that is not an opportune time to digest food. And so that's another element of, you know, what works for you is when it's relaxing, convenient, the meals appeal to you. And boy, I mean, we all can reference examples like, you know, my grandpa had a bowl of ice cream every night uh, with a shot of sherry and he lived uh, to be a, a nice old age into his 90s. So um, there's all these counter examples of, you know, people not being obsessed with every single perfect meal uh, and doing just fine. And I'm trying to uh, reflect on that more myself, Sean, because, uh, you know, I've been writing books about the ketogenic diet. 
been doing all kinds of experimenting with fasting and, and cutting the carbs and uh, dialing in everything to an extreme extent and choosing the very best foods. Uh, and then I, you know, I, I go to the blood uh, work. I, I do all kinds of um, self, you know, testing. Uh, InsideTracker.com has your genetic testing, blood testing, and also um, uh, active lifestyle like Fitbit type data all integrated. And so you can really track more things than ever now. Uh, and I always come out with excellent blood work. Everything looks fine. I don't have any disease risk factors. I don't have excess body fat. And so in my personal example, I'm starting to become inspired by messages from people like Rob Wolf, where he said, uh, this is the, one of the great sound bites I've had for, in a long time from a lot of podcast interviews. He said, quote, if you want to live longer, lift more weights and eat more protein, end quote. And so we're constantly thinking of, you know, how much more we can fast, how much longer we can last until it's time for our meal, uh, making sure we don't eat too many of this or that. Uh, Dr. Tommy Wood, too, who's one of the leading minds in this ancestral health scene, he counsels his athletic type clients. He says, eat as much nutritious food as you want or as you can until you add one pound of body fat and then dial it back. And I'm like, that is such beautiful, sensible advice because if you're burning that energy up and you need it, and I'm trying to do these crazy high jump and sprint workouts at an advanced age and trying to fast until 1 or 2 p.m. and trying to uh, cut my carbs out and all that stuff, it might be uh, an accumulation of too many stress factors to the extent that, you know, everything's a stressor, right? A workout's a stressor. Um, cutting carbs is a stressor. Uh, fasting is a stressor. And if you mix them all together, you don't want to go overboard. And so I might find myself a little more indulgent uh, these days and having uh, five eggs instead of three just, just for the heck of it or bigger portions of, of steak or more sardines. I feed my old dog because she's like kind of getting old and broken down and frail. And so my rule with the old dog is whenever she comes looking for food, she gets food. So for the first time in her life, instead of shooing her away, I'm like, hey, little girl, you want some more sardines? Okay, and I'll stuff her face. And she's had this great health transformation where she's adding muscle now at the age of 13. And so when she opens up, uh, when I open up a can of uh, sardines for her, I might even indulge in some myself because I need that protein and I need to recover uh, just like the old dog. <laughs> That's great. Oh, I love that. Yo, give her, give her the sardines. Give her, you know, give her a little bit of, give her a little bit of natural peanut butter. You know, she's just, she's just trying to live her life. You know. Oh, that's cool. Uh, another another factor that I that I'd love to get your insights on is the sort of social pressure. Uh, when you're trying to be a healthy person and make changes and live live a long time, live optimally, burn fat, sometimes it's challenging to do that when your family's not on board or your partner's <laughs> not on board. You know, and um, for someone who has been um, just at the cutting edge, um, like you have, I wonder if you can speak to give people some tools maybe that they might be able to use things they can say, conversation starters for people around them. Uh, because nothing, nothing goes, uh, well with, you know, seven Oreos, uh, like a friend also eating seven Oreos and, and that, and that's problematic, obviously. You know, if you've got this cadence of you just sit and watch Netflix for two hours every single night and you have, you know, a handful of gummy bears and that's just what you do and you're, and you're in that groove with your partner, sometimes it's hard to break out. So I'd love your, love your thoughts on that. Oh, you're screwed. 
Uh, next question. Okay. Well, going on in the moving book. Moving on. Moving on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's environment is so huge for us, right? And we we um, we respond to the signals around us. Um, the experts say that you are, are most like, or you you resemble the five people you spend the most time with. All those kind of uh, aphorisms, and it's it's um, it's a, it's a dicey subject. I remember. Um, uh, at a, um, a retreat, we, we held these primal retreats back in the day and someone asked Mark Sisson, how do I convince a hand raised? Yes. Uh, how do I convince my spouse to get on board, uh, with all this primal stuff? And he said, you don't. And everybody chuckled. Ha ha ha. And then they were waiting for him to elaborate and, and that's it. You, you don't. And I've had to learn as a super enthusiastic, health-living, athletic guy, and I mix with real people like my childhood friends and my family members, and not all of them are living and breathing health and fitness and nutrition yeah. all day long. Yeah. And so I've had to learn to pick my spots and not engage with anyone until they're ready to receive the message. And of course, you're going to know when someone's ready to receive the message and they're hounding you with emails. And I remember I reconnected with a, uh, a childhood buddy, and he says, Hey, um, you know, I, I read your book. Do you mind if I send you some questions? It's so cool that you wrote this book and uh, I'm glad to connect with you again. I said, sure, send me questions. And he goes, okay, here's 23 questions. Yeah. And he had read that book cover to cover. Eddie Blau, man, I'm giving him a plug down in LA. Uh, he read that thing cover to cover. His questions were extremely thoughtful, uh, got me thinking ab about uh. stuff that, you know, uh, I, I'd never thought about communicating in a different way. Uh, but there's someone where you can engage and now we form, you know, a strong bond on these matters of, of diet optimization. Uh, but then I think back to, uh, you know, bombarding, let's say, a neighbor who yeah. politely asked me, hey, I, I saw you got a book going. And yes, it's about this, this and this. And what about you? And, you know, they, they're backed against the wall, interrogated style. And you see the blank look appearing <laughs> on the face and you realize, wow, I've just wasted a lot of breath. So um, I think and especially as a parent, you know, like I said, my kids are adult age and I found out really early on that the the lecturing, the verbalization of the proper way to live your life uh, counts for like 1% of your influence and the other 99 is uh, seeing the, the example of how the parent goes through life. And a lot of it's unspoken and nonverbal and it's just like the oozing uh, vibrations of uh, the, the environment you're raised in. Uh, Freakonomics does a good job talking about this where, um, you know, if you're uh, children who are children of college graduate parents have a greater propensity to attend college than children of non-college graduate parents who read to them every single night and put them into extra tutoring and send them to special schools because they want them to be better than they were. And they kind of drift back to this example where it's mm. just kind of in the blood and it's it's not a pleasant topic to consider. Uh, but, you know, who you are is much more relevant than what you do, according to that Freakonomics research. It was unforgettable sort of thing. Um, but yeah, so I think uh, leading by example and then uh, being open and receptive to people who are interested uh, is a huge one. And then back to the question, since I try to get good at answering questions, not always not always dialed in. But yeah, if that environment's um, tempting, I, I suppose that it gives you an opportunity to prove your level of resilience beyond what you might even be comfortable with. And so if you can sit there while your friend's having the seven Oreos and you can say, you know, I'm, I'm committed to something else, a different path, 
that might actually be able to turn sort of an adversity situation into an opportunity for personal growth where nothing's going to throw you off, not even someone dangling that thing in your face. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's funny. I, I I just I I picture I picture Mark standing up in front of the group and saying, "How can I convince my my partner?" And he says, "You can't." You know, Sarah Fragoso, author of uh, Everyday Paleo and many other books, uh-huh. um, she gave a great presentation, and she was taught. Someone asked, "Well, hey, Sarah, um, so are your kids paleo?" And she says, "Hell yeah, they're a hundred percent paleo, just like us." Uh, and it's great and, and this and that and they cook meals with me and man as soon as that talk was over I rushed over and I, I, I got her into a corner I said look girl you got to come straight here because I got kids around the same age as you my kids are what were they like you know 12 and 14 at the time or something and they're coming home and their their carpool dropped off at 7-eleven and they're coming home with a slurpee and a freaking ding dong and I'm fighting this battle every day I go are you kidding she goes oh no she goes it's my house my money my pantry, my meals that I'm making, and this is how it's going to be. And I was like, dang, that is that is boss girl right there. Yeah. Because I was kind of, my tail was between my legs going, hey, kids, <laughs> those are unhealthy. Why did you get that? Uh-huh. You know. And so you do have more influence, I think, in a, let's say, a partnership or a household where you can say, this means a lot to me from the yeah. bottom of my heart. I would love your support. I'm not begging you to eat the same way as me or to eliminate your indulgences, but... Um, you know, if you can take that ice cream outside on the porch, uh, just like a smoker does, maybe that or some, some sort of the conversation, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, Go out there in the freezing cold yeah. and have your ice cream. Well, you your it's ice cream. ice cream after all. Who cares if it's 27 outside? You go outside in this Texas snow and you eat that ice cream outside. I don't want it in this house. I'm not paying for it. <laughs> Love it. Oh, man. Um, so much more, so much more. Uh, I want to pivot a little bit and and go toward the sort of advanced strategies for for health. Um, you know, I know that you've experimented a lot with uh, with cold exposure and um, uh, micro micro workouts. You know, I, I want to pull out all the stops, and if you would uh, walk us through maybe your top. Uh, five or so, you know, little, I mean, I would call them biohacks or techniques or strategies that, that you really love that people just have to explore. Oh, I think number one, I'm not even going to get to five. I'll, I'll, we'll do the micro workouts. I think it is, uh, the greatest breakthrough in the fitness scene in decades. It's the, it's the breakthrough of the century, even though the century's kind of young. And so this concept that you can put your body under uh, resistance load or perform a brief explosive effort at any time, and it can be very simple. You don't need any contraptions. You can drop right now in your work cubicle and do a set of 20 deep squats. And even if you're in shape, when you get to 17, 18, 19, 20, you're starting to feel a little bit of burn. It's a nice effort. It takes what? Maybe one minute of exercise, maybe two if you're doing something like uh, some uh, desk dips instead of bent bar dips, and then do some squats and then right back to your busy important day where you're too busy to get proper workouts done and so uh, sprinkling in these micro workouts over the course of a busy day is kind of like flying under the radar where you're building your fitness competency but you're not risking that huge risk 
of breakdown, burnout, illness, and injury that occurs when you're immersed into these traditional fitness programming, which by and large is too stressful for many people. Uh, you know, I'm reading the headlines, Peloton, record stock price soars through the roof, more bicycles are bought and, and back ordered. And if you get on to many of those workouts, they're pretty darn tough. And the instructor's peppy and excited and urging you to go climb one more hill and it's great. And on the commercial, the girl with the body dripping in sweat is high-fiving the, the, the partner next to her and everybody did a great job. Uh, but it's kind of unsustainable to push yourself that hard, especially if you're immersed into this really uh, uh, sedentary style uh, living pattern. So if you can break up these prolonged periods of stillness with little tiny bursts of energy, whatever it is, and I try to set up my environment so it's conducive to that. So I have uh, the X3 bar hanging there right in my visual field. Every time I walk past the living room, I see that bar there. The only uh, critique I have of the X3 bar is that it's so tough that you can definitely overdo it. So this summer I had to purposely uh, make myself not do one set here, one set there, because the set is so difficult with the um, uh, limited range of motion at the end to total exhaustion, right? But I have the X3 bar. I have a little uh, kettlebell in the corner. I have a pull-up bar in my closet. And the rule, when I enter my closet, which is like a storage closet, I do one set of pull-ups. If I went go get new Post-it notes, I do one set. Uh, when I throw the garbage away, uh, I have to go through the side yard, and sitting there in the side yard is a hexagonal deadlift bar, and it's not have that much weight on it. It's uh, maybe uh, 200 pounds, uh, so for, for big shots, that's nothing, but for me, it's a pretty good effort, and I'll do one set of deadlifts when I throw the garbage away. Sometimes I might do three or four if I have some free time and I feel like getting into it a little bit and all that, but if I just do one set... It's not a big bother. I, it's, I might be recovering from the previous day's session and I don't want to do anything big time today or I might be getting ready for a big workout tomorrow. But one set is, is neither here nor there. But if we talk 365 days from now and you say, hey, Brad, you still doing those pull-ups when you enter the closet or doing the deadlifts when you throw the garbage away or grabbing the X3 bar for a single set or whatever, whatever the example is, oh my gosh, it's, you know, it, it raises the platform from which you launch all your formal fitness workouts so that they become less stressful and you become more resilient against injury and, and setbacks like I described, especially in my age group. So my favorite uh, uh, thing that I've implemented is the first micro-workout comes first thing in the morning. And that way, no matter what happens that day, at least I started my day with a physical effort. You can look on YouTube. It's called uh, Brad Kern's Morning Ritual. Uh, and what you're going to find is rather than a short little micro workout like I just described, like a set of squats or doing a set of pull-ups, um, this thing's pretty involved. But what happened was I started with those baby steps that I described. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to wake up every morning and do some stretching and mobility drills because these sprint workouts that I'm doing, they make me sore and I, I don't really approximate uh, what I'm doing at the tough workout very often in everyday life. So now I'm going to do something every morning and start it out easy and simple the first uh, rendition of it took about 12 minutes. And now my morning routine, which I do the exact same thing every single day. I have not missed a single day in four and a half years now. Um, it is drawn out to 35 minutes. Uh -huh. And most people don't have that time to dedicate in the morning. I'm not asking you to dedicate 35 minutes. But keep in mind, I built steadily from this habit of doing a simple 12-minute routine wasn't that strenuous back in the beginning. And now this thing's pretty badass to the extent that you could probably call it 
a standalone workout. And a lot of times what I do when I finish the sequence is, is I go right into a proper workout, whether I'm going to go over to the track and sprint or do the actual X3 protocol where the, you know, you're taking not that much time, but it's pretty tough or move into the next phase because I'm warmed up and I'm flexible mm-hmm. and I'm ready to go. But for the average listener, if you can just sprinkle in these nice little bursts of energy, and it doesn't have to be, uh, I, I think explosive stuff is great because we're missing that in most cases, but if it's just uh, the yoga sequences, if you do the sun salute that takes one or two minutes and you do that a couple few times a day, it's a wonderful break from stillness and there's so many other benefits. And then if you can do something that puts you under a load and a challenge where you get your respiration and your heart rate up just briefly, mm. um, it's going to help you become a better fat burner and be more aligned with dietary goals because you're not sitting, losing your energy at a desk, staring at a screen and experiencing that steady decline in cognitive function and fat burning that occurs when we're still for as little as 20 minutes shows some of the research. Mm, that's excellent. Oh, I love that so much. Uh, that, that opens the door. I mean, again, such a small barrier to entry, just 20 body weight squats, you know, after you've been staring at a screen after your seventh zoom call before <laughs> noon, just standing up and doing 20 body weight squats just to get your blood flowing again. And, and we also know that, that movement after a meal helps, uh, helps your metabolism. So, you know, yeah, uh, the insulin response is, yeah. is muted by 50% with a simple, a 15 minute walk after a meal. And I believe that the research said the, the walk was done at like two miles an hour, some ridiculously slow effort. As long as you're not sitting, um, you can, you can do a great job. And I think that's, what's cool about the, the levels meters. You can, uh, the user can see behavior yeah. modification, like, wow, I'm going to mute this glucose spike, uh, just by walking the dog around the block. And, uh, the dog gets another plug here in this show, because if you can't answer to yourself and your own goals, if you're too stuck in your ways or too lazy, uh, look for things outside of yourself to answer to an honor. And if you agree to be a pet owner, when you get that cute little puppy, uh, my dog's now 13 years old, came right on the the heels of another dog that lived to be 14. So for many, many years, this dog has been the centerpiece of my athletic training experience because I want to get the dog out and you know live a life that the animal deserves and get out on the trails for a nice exercise. And then the evening, you know, one more, one more trip around the block makes a big difference to the dog. And if nothing else, even if you don't feel like it, even if you're tired, even if you got a big race the next day, you know, take the dog out and then, you know, just follow along with your hand on the leash so that, so that you get a workout too, or a micro workout in this example. Oh, that's excellent. That's, that's another, that's another excellent point. Yeah. If you can't do it for yourself, you know, if you're not, if you're not honoring yourself, if you don't have enough self-love or you're in a funk or whatever, and you can't do it for you and you put everybody else first, and I think a lot of I think a lot of Type A people, a lot of listeners to this podcast who are uh, really focused on performance, are really focused on doing a good job, being there for other people, and um, uh, and and so if use that, <laughs> you, <laughs> buy a dog, buy a puppy. Oh, I love that idea. Yeah. Um, what what as we as we begin to to wind wind down this episode. Um, what, what's maybe one thing about the book that I didn't ask that, that you are excited to share? Oh, thanks, Sean. I think we had a lot of fun, uh, you know, dipping over into the mindset category because there's nothing more frustrating than, you know, dispensing the information 
at, at great length and at great effort, right? You know how hard it is to put out a podcast every week and uh, writing a book is a, is a big job. Uh, and so the information's floating out there and then it's not, it's not sticking. And so uh, digging deeper into that and having a, a nice uh, section here where the person gets to uh, go and do some deep reflection. And we honor some great uh, leaders in this space like Jack Canfield uh, chicken soup for the soul and all his other work, uh, the success principles. So he's really into mindset and, uh, personal growth and manifesting the lifestyle of your dreams. And, um, if you think this stuff is uh, hokey, then you're correct, right? If you, if you believe this stuff to be nonsense. And so it's been interesting to kind of listen to these manifestors where a lot of people dismiss them out of hand. You know what I'm talking about? Like the man of my dreams has a uh, small beard stubble and he drives a Ferrari and he dresses with uh, Armani suits and he also flies in a personal jet. Uh, and, and that stuff's kind of the, um, the, the dramatization of it. Uh, but we also know from brain research that uh, the things that you obsess about are the programming of your brain as to you know what will come true and what will what will play out how your life will play out is the things that you think about and obsess about and so we start out this mindset chapter uh, with the uh, the concept of gratitude and feeling uh, grateful for where you are right now and uh, opening up to the idea that you deserve. Uh, the, the the body of your dreams and the, the the diet and the exercise and the energy and all these things that are a, a foreign concept on a page or on someone's Instagram video until you're living it yourself. But you have to envision it for yourself first and you have to forgive yourself for past mistakes and you have to reprogram these self-limiting beliefs into something that's more empowering. And that's a really difficult one when you're not happy with your body composition. You told me that you had to do your own personal work to depart from the, the family excuse going through generations, right? And so if you're not happy right now with your body and you hate your body and you're disgusted by your dietary habits and you're, uh, you feel like a, a loser and a slacker, that's what you're manifesting and that's what's going to happen into the future. And so if there's some other way that we can frame this, like, well... Uh, you know, I'm not in the hospital. Uh, at least I'm healthy. I'm capable of making choices. Let's see. Do we have a, a small budget to go and, and search for uh, some of the world's most nutritious foods, which happen to be cheap, like the sardines that also got a plug? Uh, something that sets you up for possible success rather than repeating uh, self-fulfilling prophecies of, of demise. And I think with um, body composition, there's so much uh, great before and after stuff on the internet that blows my mind when I see these people. And I'm like, dang, girl, I do not know what it feels like to lose 150 pounds, but it's got to feel pretty awesome. And congratulations and go share your message. And oh, there's so many things where you're just your eyeballs pop out. And that's got to be motivating for anybody to realize, hey, this stuff's happening every single day and it's possible, you know. Yeah, the thank goodness for the before and afters. I mean, some except for you know the old uh, they used to have contests back in the old days, like in the bodybuilding magazines, and Body for Life had like a hundred thousand dollar prize. And I used to work in the supplement industry and work around a lot of bodybuilders and stuff. And the way some of these winners uh, came through, you know how they did it? Dehydration? No, no, it wasn't. Or, it wasn't before and was after. Like it was before, after, and before. So you take a super fit guy with a six pack who's in the gym working out three hours a day. Uh, think of the Drew Manning fit to fat to fit story. Uh -huh. So here's this guy who has a tremendous training capability 
He's in incredible shape, incredible metabolic flexibility. And then you sit that person on the couch for six weeks in the interest of winning an $80,000 prize. And you feed him chips and ding-dongs and Slurpees and sodas. And then you take that winning shot. It's it's the middle shot, right? So it's before, after, before. So you take that winning shot. You call it before where he's 50 pounds overweight. (laughs) And guess what? You get that fool back in the gym. That guy is going to get cut up in no time. Because he can throw weight around for three hours a day. So that's the, oh, the that's, secret of the amazing transformation. But in, in most cases, when we're looking at these citizens that are going from before and after, it's like, you know, a long, steady demise when they're in their college years and they put on their freshman 10 and then it becomes, you know, the senior 20 and then they turn it all around in a short time. And that's, yeah, that's awesome stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really, that's really cool stuff. Oh, funny. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. If you know how to do it, if you know how to. If you know how to make shift your body, make your body do what you want it to do. Um, well, before I ask the uh, man, I, I'm I just want to say thank you. I've really enjoyed this conversation, and I and I know that 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 the people listening right now are just getting nugget after nugget of wisdom. Uh, where can people go to learn more about you? You're just this prolific person. Bradley Kearns, you're just you, you do so much. You're so much content, so much pep, so much energy. Where can people learn more about you, follow along? What social media are you most active in and, and where can they find the book? <laughs> Thanks, man. I, I appreciate your interview style. This has been really fun and uh, you're a lively guy on the other side of the mic too. So keep up the good work. Mm-hmm. If you go to bradkearns.com, you will be regaled by wild and crazy, exciting videos and stories. And uh, I'm, you know, I, you mentioned I broke the speed golf world record. Uh, so if, if you only have a minute and 38 seconds to watch, that's all it takes because it's the fastest hole of golf ever played. And I was so excited to to bust that record when I was 53 years old. So I'm in the Guinness World Record book and I do fun, crazy stuff like that, and uh, yeah, we're we're trying to uh, trying to get that word out with the book. You can go to two meals a day book.com, and uh, we have some bonus items for pre-ordering uh, that will uh, ha- kind of keep you more interested. There's an audio summary of everything in the book if you like to consume audio content or recipe uh, bonus and. Uh, shopping gift certificate at primalkitchen.com so uh, the book's uh, got a lot of information and guidance of what you're going to get and uh, I'd love to you to uh, join me on my website listen to my podcast the B-Rad podcast and on we go nice awesome so much a treasure trove regaled by I love that adjective that was fantastic <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is the final question that I ask each of my guests um, it's specifically designed to catch you off guard it's a fill in the blank so if you would and this can be based on i mean you have so much knowledge this can be based on anything it doesn't have to be specific to um, nutrition um, take as much time or as little as you want to answer this question mm. please fill in the blank everyone would benefit from knowing Oof. okay i'm going to take a little time like you suggested Everyone would benefit from knowing what makes them tick better, what really motivates them, you know what I mean? What really works for them, rather than knowing more information. You, you hinted that early in the show, where we have, we have all the information, but if we can know ourselves better, I think that's helped me, because I'm still on that journey, and 
um, I had a podcast interview with Dave Rossi and he turned the tables on me and interviewed me for my own podcast. And at the end of the show, he says, uh, it was kind of like one of your questions, the suspense. He goes, what do your listeners uh, still not know about Brad Kearns? And I'm like, dang, I don't know. And I had to think about it. And I, it, it kind of got into my head because like, I couldn't even answer a simple question like that. And then I realized, Sean, like, I know this is not, uh, it's kind of an add on to the, the answer, but um, I guess it's related. Yeah. I realized that um, I'm kind of a non-confrontational, happy-go-lucky person in real life. And so my public persona is that way too, to the extent that I might be, uh, you know, jipping my audience a little bit by not being completely honest and forthcoming when something comes at me that smells a little bit off. And so I kind of made this commitment and it was right after I interviewed uh, Rob Wolf and Dr. Paul Saladino back to back. And these two guys, man, they are gun slinging. They are talking the truth in your face. They don't care who they offend or piss off. They'll call out Western medicine as bullshit. And this guy's research is bullshit, even though he's a respected author, household name. And it was so refreshing because we need that kind of checks and balances in life. And so I'm trying to be less Mr. Nice Guy and more of, you know, this is honestly what's in my heart and I'm going to say what I feel. And if you don't like it, then uh, don't follow me or go to my website. And if you do, then we can be friends because I'm I'm friendly, happy-go-lucky guy mm-hmm. still. Yeah, well said. Well said. Yeah, I, I, uh, I really resonate with that. You need to know who you are. Know thyself first and foremost for sure. Well, this has been such a pleasure. Um, I, 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 I know the book is going to do well. I, I love the title. I think it's something that people can, can really wrap their arms around. And this has been a pleasure. And I can't wait to, I can't wait to have you back uh, for round two sometime. Thank you for uh, being here on the Optimal Performance Podcast. Love to sometime. Thank you, Sean, so much. And see. This episode of the OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks. Thank you to Natural Stacks for their support. Thank you for making open source supplements. Thank you for making some of the finest stacks, the best stacks, the stacks that you want to be stacking. (laughs) Uh, Honestly, they make really great products with full transparency, and you can see where all the ingredients come from that go into these. They have just about something for everybody. And I have been really enjoying serotonin brain food. It's one of their top sellers for good reason. You know, if you're feeling a little bit blue lately, if you're feeling a little bit down in the dumps and you need a little pick-me-up, a little uh, bright, shiny change in your perspective, uh, you should check out serotonin brain food because it does work. It is very effective. It's all natural and it will help you just kind of get your groove back a little bit. So go to naturalstacks.com and use the code OPP15 for 15% off. And uh, I would suggest, you know, checking out serotonin brain food and and looking at some of the reviews because um, it's a really powerful product and, and now is the right time to be experimenting with uh with uh, cognitive enhancers with uh, nootropics thanks natural stacks <laughs>